All right, welcome to the Free Stretch Week 18 edition of the show, final regular season game of the year. And we hope it's not the final game of the year, period. In fact, we hope the Bucs are about to embark on what would be a five-game winning streak that would culminate with the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. But none of it is even possible without the first playoff game, and that's effectively what we have as the Bucs go up to Charlotte 1 p.m. on Sunday where they take on the Panthers with a chance to clinch the NFC South for the second week in a row after the loss to the Saints this past weekend. And there isn't a lot that needs to be said, obviously. Everybody knows what's on the line here. Although it's not more than just the NFC South. I mean, depending on who you talk to, and we'll get to it on the show today, some people think it's a foregone conclusion that Todd Bowles is fired if the Bucks don't win this. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it could be. And I wouldn't be completely stunned if that happened. Hopefully we don't even have it come up because the Bucks get the job done and we're talking about a playoff game next weekend. But all that's coming up on the show today. Thank you for joining us. A couple of little housekeeping notes here. First of all, the sound quality is a little different. I'm recording this live from Vermont and I'm in a sauna. This is the first ever free stretch recorded in a sauna. And we're not high rollers or anything, but the, the Airbnb we're at has a sauna built into one of the bathrooms. And it's, you know, the best place I can find a record here without disturbing everybody else who's uh, trying to sleep. I'm doing this a little later in the evening. By the time you hear this, I'll probably be back in Tampa. But it doesn't matter. I don't care where I am. I'm bringing the laptop with me. We're getting a free stretch done, especially with what's on the line this week. So, again, apologies for the sound. I think it's okay, but... It's not the usual microphone. It's not the usual sound surroundings I'm used to. There's a little bit of an echo in here and all that stuff. I don't have the sauna turned on right now, by the way. I thought about doing a full sweat, like 115 Fahrenheit in here and just doing the show that way. But I decided maybe I'd keep it room temperature and just get it done. So there's that. If you want to email me, email is easy. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com. It's B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com. On Twitter, you can get me. Same thing, at BobbyGameDay. I want to thank Bill Curry Ford, our sponsor, for the free stretch. I want to thank the Joes at JoeBucksFan.com for giving me the platform. Like always, it's a privilege to be on here. And it's a privilege to be talking about a chance to make the playoffs. Let's be honest. I mean, this team was 4-7. and seven. They reeled off a four-game win streak to be 8-7. and seven. I told you this before last week, okay? The Bucks were a middle-of-the-pack team when they started out 3-1. and one. They were a middle-of-the-pack team when they lost six of their next seven to end up 4-7. and seven. They were a middle-of-the-pack team when they won four in a row after that to be 8-7. and seven. And they were a middle-of-the-pack team on Sunday when they lost to another middle-of-the-pack team in the Saints. And that game, we told you last week on the free stretch, okay? That game hit all the G-spots, man, for a letdown situation. That's why I'm not as upset. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe the Bucs blew this chance. How could they do that right in front of them? And I didn't really like the Bucs last weekend coming off of four straight wins, playing a team whose season is over if they don't win the football game, whereas the Bucs, eh, it'd be cool to win this one. Don't have to. And you can tell yourself, oh, you want, we're going to get it done right now. We're not going to let this extend. It, it, you can tell yourself that all you want to, okay? But the Saints season ended that day if they didn't win the football game, and that was not the case for the Buccaneers. And that made a difference. I think that makes a difference. The Saints were very poor in the first regular season outing. The Bucs won that one. All these things added up. In fact, I actually looked it up, and the Bucs 
And I didn't know this till after the fact, or I would have said it on last week's show. But the Buccaneers were in a situation. And when I say a situation, here's what you guys got to understand. I'm, I've been learning this the past couple of seasons. Where teams are on their journey, every team has a journey, okay? And where teams are on their journey matters just as much, if not more, than the actual opponent does in a given week. And that has to do with, for example, rest. The Saints had three more days than the Bucks last week. It has to do with what happened in the first meeting. It has to do with what's happened in the prior game or a couple of games leading up to that game. And like I said, those things sometimes have more to do than the actual Saints. It wasn't the Saints I was worried about this past weekend. It was the situation. And this is these numbers, a good place to find them is Dr. Bob Sports. He puts out a lot of stuff. I'm not one of those guys that's going to pay for gambling advice or anything like that. Some of the stuff's behind a paywall. But these are general things that you can look up. And this one, I didn't have this before last week's game, or I would have said it on last week's show. The Saints apply to a 72-28-2. This is, again, before Bucks saints this past weekend. The Saints apply to a 72-28-2 against the spread. Same season revenge road underdog. So teams that are a road underdog against a team that already beat them at home the first time they played. 72-28-2 all-time against the spread. And again, the spread is not the same necessarily as straight up. Most of the time it is, but not always. There was another angle that also applied to the Saints-Bucks game that was 119-54-6 to the underdog, which was the Saints. So again, that just wasn't a good spot for the Bucks. It doesn't mean it excuses anything, but I mean, a lot of people I've noticed reactions this week are like, wow, the Bucks laid an egg. I can't believe these guys. Yeah, I, I totally believe it. I don't know why you wouldn't believe, be able to believe that. First of all, the Bucks aren't that good. They're not that much better than the Saints. And second of all, the situation really wasn't a great spot for the Bucks, So I was not surprised at all to see them come out flat. I thought the play calling, this is, has nothing to do with angles now, but I thought the play calling took a step back as well. A lot of things took a step back. Baker Mayfield, one week ago, we had him inked up for a long-term deal extension. It's all good. He's our franchise guy, and we're moving forward. And now all of a sudden, it's back to, well, I don't know. You know that's why you can't be reactionary. I tell my son this all the time. Don't be reactionary in life. Don't jump on the most recent thing you saw or whatever the hot thing is and go off a small sample size. Look at the big picture. Understand that no matter how good or bad things are, they're usually going to regress to the mean. When things are going really, really poorly, don't get down. It'll come back up toward the mean a little bit. And the same applies when things are going really, really well. Hey, okay, you know, you're not the best in the world just because you feel like you were the last two, three weeks. I understand that'll come back to earth as well. And like I said to open the show, that's basically what we're seeing right now with the Buccaneers, who are pretty much an 8-8 eight and eight football team. I think their record is pretty reflective of how they've played. I'm not sure what their Pythagorean record is or anything like that, like they do in baseball. But yeah, it all makes sense. So I wasn't. That, that's why I'm less upset than most people about that loss, even though, yeah, of course you want to get it done, you want to get the win. But I, it seemed like... I don't want to say a lot to ask. I don't think that's the term I'm trying to come up with, but it, it seemed like maybe a bridge too far. Like it wasn't going to be that easy. But now they have another chance, and that was the whole point. They have another chance, and they have it against the two and fourteen team. Now, before you go saying, "All right, here we go," this time they're playing a team who's bad. 
They're playing a team who doesn't have anything to play for. People think, oh, one team has nothing to play for and the other team does, and that gives the team that does an advantage. I would think that too, but it actually isn't the case. Here's another angle, again, courtesy of Dr. Bob Sports on Twitter. Teams in a must-win situation in the final two weeks of the season, which is what the Bucks are, win or you're eliminated. Teams in a must-win situation in the final two weeks of the season against teams that are already eliminated from the playoffs, which is what Carolina is, all-time 71-102-5. That's a 4-10 winning percentage. That's against the spread now, not, not straight up. But still, the spread in this one's four, four and a half. So the Bucs could win by three in this situation would have a plot. Okay? But my point is, this is not some cakewalk, okay? Like, this is not, oh, hey, the Carolina, they mailed it in. They're going to lay over or, or roll over and let the Bucs do whatever they want because who cares? What do they care? They just want to get in the car and go home and be done for the offseason. No, that's not how it works. That is not how it works. And I would have, if I didn't look stuff like this up, thought that that's how it works. But it's not. So that's why I'm here to tell you. That's why you listen to the free stretch for stuff like that. I put it on my Twitter as well. I think one of the Joes retweeted it. It's out there. So this isn't going to be, first of all, it's not going to be easy because of that. Second of all, I went to the first game these two teams played. What long ago? It was week 13, I believe. Week 13, Bucks Panthers. Bucks won that game 21 18. It was a struggle. The Bucks trailed for a lot of that game. It was raining a lot. It wasn't a normal game, but Baker Mayfield struggled. In that game. And when you look at the actual numbers, as far as this opponent goes, it sets up well if you look at the, some of the more advanced stuff. For example, Baker Mayfield's yards per attempt versus the Blitz, it's 14% higher than his yards per attempt against a standard pass rush. That's the fifth largest gap, so he really does well against the Blitz compared to his normal numbers. And the Panthers blitz at a rate that's the fourth highest in the NFL, so that should be a good thing. The Panthers blitz a lot. Baker Mayfield does well against the blitz. Same thing with coverages. Mayfield averages 37% more yards per attempt versus zone than he does versus man. That's the third largest gap of any quarterback. Carolina's defense plays zone at the third highest rate of anybody in the NFL. So, okay, Baker Mayfield does well against zone. Carolina plays a lot of zone. Good. Baker Mayfield does well against the Blitz. Carolina Blitz is So it should be good. But again, that Week 13 game, all these things were still the case. And yeah, it was pouring. The first half of that game, it was pouring. And then it got better in the second half. And the offense also got better in the second half. So you, you don't know. I'm just throwing numbers at you. You don't know. But those are some of the things to look at. And speaking of Baker Mayfield, because he did have the rib injury in that game against the Saints, and there has been some speculation. And I'm recording this on Thursday evening. So by the time you hear this, it'll be at least Friday, and there might be more news out there. But as of Thursday's practice, Baker Mayfield was out there, and he was throwing the ball and looked pretty good. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I'd be stunned if there was – it looks already like he's going to play. They haven't made anything official yet, but I wouldn't worry about that. Now, how he feels, you know, only he can say that. We can't speculate. Yeah, I'm sure he's, you know, I, I've never dealt with a rib thing. Uh, I know people who have, but, you know, sometimes those things, I mean, even though you're walking around and you're looking normal, you're still not quite yourself. And that's just, you know, out in the regular everyday world, let alone trying to play a National Football League game as a starting quarterback. But when you, you kind of wince a little bit when you breathe and all that stuff, you know, so I can't say it won't affect him. I have no idea. But it does look as if he's going to play. 
So, like I said last week, there's no scoreboard watching. There's no worrying about anything else. Bucks beat the Panthers, they're in. If they don't, they are not. There are no other scenarios. It's kind of nice that way. And this time, let's hope things go better than they did against New Orleans a week ago. And, uh, you know, New Orleans and Atlanta, if they uh, get the slip up they're looking for from the Bucks, they'll be playing at the same time on Sunday. And they will be watching. I don't know how they're going to handle that, actually. I think that game's in New Orleans, right? I wonder if they're going to do that thing where they tell stadium personnel to turn the scoreboard, the out-of-town scoreboard off. We don't want to know anything about what's going on. Because the Falcon Saints, if the Bucks win, there's still some wild card permutations and things like that for the winner of that game. So there's still something to play for. But obviously the winner is in if the Bucks don't win. And we don't care about that. I mean, I'm not going to even bat an eye at that game because we don't have to worry about it. Bucks have the luxury of only having to take care of their own business. That's one of the biggest luxuries in sports, man, because when you need help, man, you get it sometimes, but you never want to be in that situation where you're hoping somebody else wins or loses for you and all that stuff, and the Bucks don't have to do that this weekend. So that'll be nice. We'll see. One o'clock kickoff Sunday. One of the best, you know, I know this is a weird week. It always is that final regular season week because certain games matter. For both teams, certain games don't matter at all for either team. Then there's games like this one where it matters for one team and not the other. Some teams are in, but they're resting guys, all that. So it's really hard to, as from a handicap perspective, if you're into that, you got to try to figure out all that stuff. But it's still a fun day because, one, even though there's no Thursday night football tonight, and I wish there was, I always want Thursday night football, and there's no Monday night football, there's 16 games, or actually, excuse me, 14 because two are on Saturday. And those games are all happening. Then there's the one o'clock window and the four o'clock window. And it's, you know, it's all coming to a head. 18 weeks of this stuff. We've been following it. And it's all going to get decided right then and there. I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's a great, it's one of the better Sundays of the year to just sit down. If you have a red zone, it's really good. I actually was visiting my in-laws down in South Florida. And I don't have a red zone because I just never, first of all, I'm cheap and I don't want to pay for it. And second of all, a lot of times I'm going to Bucks games anyway and I'm not home. But even so, I've just never been a red zone guy. I watch the Bucks and whatever else is on, and then I get the rest off of my laptop or something. But my in-laws both have red zone. And so I was thoroughly enjoying – I might get it next year because I was thoroughly enjoying myself just hanging out, keeping track of things. In a way, I almost don't want to get it because it can be addictive because, you know, I always watch the Buck game, no question. But, like, that whole thing, seven hours of commercial-free football, that, that really is what it is. And you can spend I – don't, I don't want to – I hate that feeling. It's like eating a big meal or like going to a buffet or having a huge ice cream sundae where you're, you're getting that dopamine hit, like you're hitting it hard. It feels great. But the minute it's over, you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Like that's what it feels like when you just sit still on the couch. I like to take a nap and hang out, but like I don't want to sit on the couch for like six hours straight. It just doesn't feel good, even though it feels great while I'm doing it. It doesn't feel good after the fact. But with Red Zone, that's really, really easy to do. Like, I didn't realize how easy to do that is, but you can do that. And I even had, like, the Buck game. So they didn't have the Buck game in South Florida against the Saints. So I had my laptop set up to watch the Buck game off the Pirate feed. And then I had the main TV on Red Zone. Then the other TV in the kitchen, my in-laws are Dolphins fans. That's where my wife's from, you know, down in Fort Lauderdale. So they're watching the Dolphins Rams, although the Dolphins were getting their asses kicked just as more worse than the Bucks were. But we had all you know, Dolphins on one TV, Reds on another TV, Bucks Saints on the laptop, and it was good stuff, man. Although obviously the result of the game was not good. This weekend, like I said, 
it's going to be full bore on Bucks Panthers. And uh, looking at the injury report, like I said, everything seems pretty good. Carlton Davis is with the way to make sure a Friday will be a big day for him as far as whether or not he can clear concussion protocol. Shaq Barrett should be back. He does lead the Bucks in pressures. So, I mean, I know he hasn't had the year a lot of people have hoped and his sack production is way down, but he's still, you want him in there. You want to have that club in your bag and he should be back. So let's get it on, man. There, there, there's nothing, you know, there's no reason. If they can't win a game like this, even though the situation isn't necessarily in their favor, if they can't win a game like this, it's one of those things where you say, okay, well, what will we really, like, you know, what will we hang our hat on to begin with is how I feel about it. So it's not that I won't be upset or feel bad if they lose, but if they lose, it's like, okay, hey, man, were we, re- we were wasting our time this whole time. Now, back to what I said to open the show, though, a lot of people, the common belief, in fact, I would say, I've heard this from other people. Outlets that cover the Bucks. I've heard this from friends. I've heard this from a few people acting like, oh, yeah, Bobby, uh, they don't win this game. Bulls is done. No question. Like, no question in, in a lot of people's minds. I feel like there's a question. Like, I told you before, it would not in any way, I'm not trying to, like, defend a potential loss here or anything like that. But like I've said, man, most dead cap space in the NFL before you even get to Jensen or Russell Gage, I mean, they got $90 million over there on the sidelines or not even with the organization anymore. $90 million out of that salary cap, all right? And the dead money alone, which is what, 81, 82? That's the most in the NFL. And teams that lead the league in dead cap money every year are usually terrible. I said this on last week's show. I read the whole thing. Remember, like, if you go back over the years, the team that leads the league in dead cap money is like, Four and 13, three and, you know, or three and 14, five and 12 before there were 17 games, five and 11, six and 10, four and 12. I mean, that's, those are all the records. So even to conceivably be eight and nine with a season that before the year, nobody is ever going to say it with the organization, you're not supposed to, but this is the year they decided to pay the piper for all the stuff they wanted to do to win that Super Bowl and try for a second one in 2021 and 2022. And they knew that. Like, okay, 2023, we're going to, you know, take it on the chin a little bit in that department. And they did it. And then they come back and they're still in line to win the division again. And that's not to make any excuses for Todd Bolt. I think the Bucs, like I said, though, I, I think the Bucs maybe could have won one more game. But I don't think overall their record is worse than it should have been. Like, if you go 8-8 eight and eight or 8-9, eight and nine, I guess it would be if they didn't win, with a team that's projected to be 12-5 and five and you're the big favorites and you're supposed to win the division, you're supposed to win the NFC, whatever, that's different. But for the Bucks to be 8-9 and nine, with this roster and this cap situation, I don't think that's necessarily underachieving. Now, that they, they should win. They should be 9-8. and eight. They should win the South. And if they don't, that'll be a huge disappointment. And it's especially worse, I guess, because they would have had two cracks at it without having a scoreboard watch and still would have blown it. This is hypothetically if they lose. So I definitely could see Todd Bowles getting fired. I'm just saying I don't think it's a foregone conclusion the way a lot of people do. And I hope we're it. I hope we're not having the conversation a week from now. We may be. But 
I don't want to think about that right now anyway. The Bucks have bigger fish to fry, so let's see what they can get done up in Charlotte on Sunday at 1 p.m. Again, email me, bobbygameday at yahoo.com. If you want to, follow me on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now, at bobbygameday. Oh, the Pro Bowl voting. Everybody's all up in arms about the Pro Bowl voting. In case you didn't hear, and I'm sure you already heard by now, the Bucs got one guy in. And this is not a team that's necessarily loaded with pro bowlers, but there were four people I think that have a pretty good case. One of them gets in, Mike Evans, who, of course, yes, he should be. Although even he didn't get the, the votes he should have gotten. The fan voting thing's a total joke. We all know that. But anyway, he did get on the team. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. was the big snub. Everybody's upset about it. Of course, Buda Baker's the one everybody's bringing up who did get in. Buda Baker, comparison to Antoine Winfield, you've probably read all these numbers, but I'll repeat them one more time. Interceptions, Antoine Winfield Jr., three, Buda Baker, none, okay? Sacks, Antoine Winfield, five, Buda Baker, again, none. Force fumbles, Antoine Winfield Jr., five, Buda Baker, none. Tackles, 117 to 71 in favor of Winfield. In fact, Antoine Winfield Jr., and I didn't even know this. So that, that one, one angle here you could argue is that this snub is going to get Winfield more attention than if he had just simply made the Pro Bowl team because now all these numbers are getting pulled by everybody and thrown around. And I didn't realize this. Antoine Winfield is the first player since at least 1994, maybe ever. 1994 is when they started tracking tackles. Okay, So before that, we don't have any actual numbers on it. But since they started counting tackles as a stat in 1994, Antoine Winfield Jr. is the first player ever to have at least five sacks, at least five forced fumbles, at least 10 passes defense, and at least 100 tackles. No one has done all of those things in the same season since they started counting tackles, at least, but even further back with uh, sacks, forced fumbles, and passes defense. So Antoine Winfield is all of those things. First guy to do it. In the almost 30 years it's been tracked, and probably goes back further than that, and yet he's not even on the damn Pro Bowl team. So we know it's a bad snub. Now, it's easy to say, oh, well, who cares? It's the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares. It's fan voting. Nobody takes it seriously. Everybody knows the voting sucks. Everybody knows it's not a true measure. Yeah, everybody think knows that, except what's going to happen? For example, Levante David is another one who deserves to be there. Tristan Wirfs, Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr., those three, in addition to Mike Evans, all have cases. But anyway, for example, Levante David, who's been snubbed a couple, or more than a couple maybe, but he definitely has a history of being snubbed. In fact, in 2013, he was first freaking team All-Pro and didn't make the Pro Bowl. So what's going to happen? Now, I'm not saying I think Levante David should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not making that argument. My point is, when that argument starts coming up, What's the first thing the naysayers, oh, yeah, the Pro Bowl, he only has, you know, whatever Pro Bowl. So it does matter. They do use this in arguments for Hall of Fame cases. They do use this when you're negotiating contracts. And I, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr.'s contract is coming up. You know, he's going to be a free agent. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I don't think the Bucs are going to, like, use this against him. It's their own guy. But, yeah, I mean, that, it, it, it does matter. So I don't mind something being stupid. And I don't mind something not mattering, but I don't like it when something stupid still matters because that's that doesn't follow. That's incongruous to me. So Pro Bowl voting, I don't care about it, and I don't. it's not on the list of things I'd want to fix about the National Football League. 
It's way down there. But if it's going to be used against guys that don't make it, and there's still more injuries that can happen. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. probably still gets on there. Who knows? Uh, the Super Bowl teams, they call an alternate, you know, whatever it is. If it's not the Bucks, fine. But still, it's just the principle of it. Yeah, it's bad. And I'm going to the Pro Bowl this year, by the way, which I've never done before. And I wasn't even play. I had no intention to go to the Pro Bowl. But my son, he's in sixth grade, and he's, um, you know, he's got all his buddies. They play baseball together. Same guys he plays baseball with, you know, travel ball, little league, all that stuff that he does. He also goes to school with. So they're a tight group. So we were actually trying to schedule uh, one of our travel ball tournaments. And one of the weekends got brought up, and we were all like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, that's fine, you know, um, play a tournament that weekend. And one coach, one dad, piped up and said, oh, we can't play that weekend, that's Pro Bowl weekend. And I was like, who, what the hell, who the hell, why are we, we're going to move a baseball tournament around for the Pro Bowl? He's like, no, 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 we're going. And it turned into a thing where everybody started talking, and so for Christmas gifts, we all got the kids tickets to the Pro Bowl, and we're going to go with them. So, like, I'm going with my son and his buddies and their dad, the guys I coach Little League with, while going to the Pro Bowl now. It's in Orlando. It's just the flag football game. It's not, you know, they don't have the real game anymore. And I don't know if it's a skills competition. It's a whole weekend. I think I'm just going to the part of the Citrus Bowl, which is the flag football game, which hopefully nobody blows an ACL doing that. I don't know if I get to watch the skills competition. All I know is that I hope I, I remember I used to always bet on the actual Pro Bowl just because it gave it some zip. Like you you think the Pro Bowl's a joke, but like take one of the sides, bet the over or the under, and all of a sudden it's just like any other game. And there's I remember one year, like it's such a joke. Like the game winning field goal, I can't remember what it was, but I had action where I needed a team to not score any more points, or I, I had the under, I can't remember what it was. And there was like a field goal with no time left. Like there was like two seconds left, final play of the game. And it gets blocked. And then the guy picks it up and starts running the other way. And everybody's like, all the players, it's not a real game, right? So all the players from both teams start running on the field to shake hands. And the guy's like running through people. And it was the play was still going on. And I'm like, this is a joke. Like what? So they ended up not counting the touchdown. I won my bet. But at the time, I didn't know, you know. So anyway, that's the Pro Bowl. But don't get too wrapped up. And Antoine Winfield Jr. will be fine. He's going to cash some big checks with his new deal, whatever it is. And I think he still gets it anyway. But same thing with Tristan Wirfs and Levante. Do they deserve it? Of course they deserve it. Is the voting stupid? Of course it's stupid. The process is messed up. All-Pro is still the, the big barometer. But All-Pro is only – now they have two teams. They used to just have first-team All-Pro. But now there is a first- and second-team All-Pro. So spots are limited. I mean, there's six safety spots, three in the NFC, but six total. And even in the three in the NFC, I mean, it'd be one thing if there was only one safety spot. Even then, you could make a pretty good case for Winfield. But there's three spots, and he isn't even on there. So anyway, I know everybody's upset about it. Let's see what happens. Let it all play out. But yeah, that's my big problem it is I guarantee you when Levante David's time comes, some jagoff's going to be like, oh, well, the Pro Bowl, you know, how many Pro Bowls? And so that's why it, it, it pisses people off, and it should, uh, when they jerk around with the voting like this. But the only other thing I'll say on it is, you know, I hope these guys use it as motivation, and there are bigger fish to fry. If we're sitting here talking about the Pro Bowl on the week of a do-or-die 
end of the regular season game with a chance to win the third straight NFC South division crown, then we're thinking about the wrong things. So with all that said, that's it for the sauna, baby. It was a good show from the sauna. I think this worked out well. I might start looking for other saunas to do shows from, only bring the microphone next time so it sounds better. But thanks to our good friends at Bill Curry Ford for sponsoring the free stretch. Thanks to the Joes at JoeBucksFan.com for giving me the privilege of being on the single best place for Bucks coverage anywhere, TV, Internet, Radio. Can't thank them enough. And thanks to all of you for listening. That's it for this edition. That's it for the regular season editions of the free stretch. Hopefully next week we're talking about the NFC South champions and we're getting ready for a playoff game. It remains to be seen. I think ultimately they get it done, but it is far from a guarantee and they're going to have their work cut out for them. Wherever you do, happy new year. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe. Have fun. I'll talk to you next weekend, wherever you are. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go Bucks.